You know, the last couple of weeks, we've been tremendously blessed with some phenomenal words from, from God through using his willing vessels in order to do so. Pastor John Torreson, when he came, he said a very profound sentence. He said, do you believe Jesus? Now, he made the distinction in, in that not believing in Jesus, that's a prereq. But what he was saying is, do you believe the words on the page? The red letters is what he was saying. And in turn, if we do believe those red letters on the page, it has a cause and effect on how we live our lives. Because those words are, it's the living word displaying his written word by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he said, do you believe God? You know, we teach a college group on Thursday night, and that is one of the subjects that came up. Do we believe what God said? And if we do, it just changes the trajectory of our life. And I do understand in our lives, that's a progression that we go through. We go through levels of belief. I love when he says when the, when the lame person, when the person's son was, was, was uh, possessed by a spirit, he said, he said, help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. That's a cry of our heart today. Help me with my unbelief because the words on these pages, the red letters, are always true. So I really appreciated Pastor John Torreson's words. And last week, Pastor John Hill, Bishop Hill, left us with love. Are we leading church family with love within this country, love within our families, most importantly, love within our heart? Have we received the love that the Lord has given us out of forgiveness for us on the cross? And today I want to speak to you in continuing that message. Do we believe the words that Jesus said? Are we living by God's love? Because love never fails. If anything is failing, it is not God's love. His agape love. It's we're failing and not partaking in what he's already given to us. So do we believe the words? Are we living by love, enmeshed in his word, in his word within us? And today I want to challenge myself, every word, every single word that I'm going to be speaking about today, I'm speaking to myself. Because when the Lord put this message on my heart, it continues to resonate within me, and I'm convicted. I'm going completely to him so many times throughout the day. And I want to talk to you about blind spots. Blind spots. And blind spots came to me a couple of weeks ago and it continues to resonate within my soul. And as I walk in this world and I turn on the television and I read the news and I love what Pastor Hill said last week, you know, let's be driven by the word, not by the world. I'm convicted about how many blind spots I have in my life. And any time that I preach and any time I teach, I use myself as an example of my failings and God's glory and, and working in me and through me. But the first thing that comes to my mind when it comes to blind spots is from a driving perspective. You know, while driving, there is a, there's, a, there's an area that a person's person is, is view is obstructed. And I was serving with Brother Lauren Roads a few weeks ago, 
and we were serving one of the beloveds in our, in our, in our church family. And we were driving on Paseo del Norte, and all, I, all of a sudden I heard is beep, 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 beep. And I said, Lauren, Lauren, what is that? And he said, that's my Garmin. And it was in the desk of his, his car. And it had a, a forward-facing camera and a rear camera. And each time, and what was happening is, Brother Lauren, it, it steered a little bit to the left. <laughs> and a car was coming up. To the, to the left of him. It was going beep, 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 beep. I said, that's really neat. This thing gives you a warning of your blind spot. Man, I wish I had one of those. And I'll tell you why I wish I had one of those. Because within my car, I was loading up chairs and I went to the student building E and I drove through the two posts there because I was going to load up chairs and put them in there. And I did that. And then once I went back into my car, I backed out. And all of a sudden, I heard boom. And there was this, they'll show that on the screen. And there's these screech marks right now that are part of my blind spot. And then when I, when I saw that blind spot, when I saw that pole, that pole is like this big. And I go, look at, those are the marks on my car. And if you see a little bit at the bottom, there's that yellow because it just kissed my car, just let me know I was there. And it just, because once I was there, I couldn't get out. So I had to go this way and this way, and I got confused in my brain, actually, to be honest with you, and that's the, that's the remnant of what I saw. So that's a blind spot that, that we have within our day, and that's, that's when, you're, when, you're, when your view is obstructed and you just don't see it. You just don't see it, but it was always there. It was always there. Today I'll be speaking to you about another blind spot. And for this blind spot, it's going to be in our scriptures that we're studying today. And this blind spot is in the area of our heart and our mind. Where a person, number one, and this is Webster's Dictionary, lacks understanding. Number one, lacks understanding. You just don't know what you don't know at the time. But the other one is lacks impartiality. And that's the dangerous one. One is out of ignorance. And one is once it's been pointed out to you, it becomes entrenched within your life. And I'll give you an example of lack of understanding. When I lived in New York, I was associated with a, an acting troupe. And with this acting troupe, we put on musicals on off-off-Broadway. And I um, had a friend, and she lived exactly on my block. And so we became friends. We were in the same acting troupe. We, we acted together, sung together, danced together. I know it's funny to, to understand that I dance and sang on stage. But uh, she was just a wonderful talent. And one day we were walking, and I said something that I didn't really even understand. I said something that, that was part of my culture, and it was just an everyday conversation. And it was something in regards to her 
ethnicity. I won't really talk about what that was, but I want to drive that home with a point here that I didn't know what I didn't know. And then it just got silent. And then she admonished me. She just went after me in a kind and good and gentle way. So I tell you, I just stopped right there. And I just listened. And then I saw the pain that I had created from the word that I had said to her. And then I responded. And I really want you to listen to the progression of what I'm saying. I stopped. Boom. I listened. And I saw the pain that I had caused. And then I responded with, I am so sorry. I, I just didn't realize. But I am so grateful that Penny pointed out my lack of understanding. And it, it grew in my heart and it was cemented with my heart and it allowed me to grow. Amen when we have friends and brothers and sisters in our lives to, to, to point those things out to her. For I will forever be grateful to her and what she said, how she said it, that I was able to stop, listen, see, and respond. And I, I want you to hold on to that. But the other one that we're going to be discussing in the scripture is the lack of impartiality. You see, we're going to discover in the scripture that Simon, the Pharisee, had a blind spot. And it's pointed out to him by the living word, Jesus himself. And then there's not no longer a lack of understanding, but there's a lack of impartiality. There's a lack of objectivity, of act, a lack of seeing people equally. And so what happens when, when, when someone has pointed something out to you, you have that ability to stop, listen, see, and respond. But if not, there's this, there's this bitterness, there's this, this, this spiritual obstruction buried that comes within your heart, and it's rooted. And it, we're going to see in the scripture that was rooted in Simon's heart that he could not see past it any longer that he could not see past it any longer. So the overall thesis of this message is the word of God points out our blind spots. Are we willing to, to, are we willing to stop, listen, see, and respond? That's the overall theme here. Are we willing to stop, listen, see, and respond? Let's get into the scripture. We're going to be going through Luke 7, verse 36 to 38, and we're just going to take little chunks at a time here. In Luke 36, now one of the Pharisees, and Pharisees, I'm just going to expand on the scripture. Pharisees means separatists. So what a Pharisee has done, he's separated himself into a religious sect. And there is a, there's a, an eliteness going on with that. 
Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him. And he's talking about Jesus. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And you'll see a graphic on the screen just to give you a visual of what that looked like. The custom in that day was there was a table and there was couches, as you see there, was set around. And the person that the people who had been invited would be sitting on those couches with their feet in the back. So the only people around that table were the people who had been invited. But to get into this, to get into the context of the scripture is that like when I would come, when I would invite the Malseeds to my house, and if it was winter time, there are some customs that I would do, I would do within my home. There are customs way back then. The first thing I would do, I would meet them at the door. And if it was winter time, I would ask to take their jacket and I would place their jacket on the rack. And the next thing I would do, I would show them a place to sit down. And the next thing I would do, I would ask them, would you like something to drink? And then I would sit down with them. And then when we would fellowship, and then we would have a, a meal together. Those are the customary things that we do here today, right? When we invite someone into our home. Well, that is the same custom that took place in those days. And I point that out in the context of the scripture here. So let's take off our 21st century eyes and let's, let's go into 2,000 years ago. But something unusual and something different in that custom that we did not do, that we do, they did that we do not do, is that other people were invited in. With the graphic that you just saw, that was in the main room, but people from the town could come in and they could sit at the back of the room. And they weren't invited, but they were able to come in. They were able to see and hear what was going on. Now, that's something that we don't do normally. When I would invite the seats over, I would open up the door and I would close the door. I wouldn't expect other people from the town to come in and come in fellowship with us. Because in, in our culture today, that's my time with them. But it was... It was, a, it was a very warm society in those days that people could just come in and they can just come in fellowship with everyone. And it was customary within that day if there was a visiting rabbi or teacher to invite that person in. It was a matter of prestige in that way. Big person comes into town, ask a big person to come. And then other people would come. So in context, and the custom of the day, that what was going on. But I want you to notice, there's nothing being said here. In verse 36, it said, now one of the Pharisees was requesting, meaning he requested him more than once in the Greek to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. And keep in your mind the things that I said what was custom of that day. Verse 37, and there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume, very intentional. She learned that he was there and intentionally brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, and this is so beautiful, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with her hair with her head and kissing his feet and anointing them 
with perfume. I love the unnamed people in the Bible. And I'm going to say this is an unnamed people. This is an unnamed person because a lot of times this person is contributed to Mary, who is the sister of, of Martha and Lazarus of Bethany. You know, but this happened at the beginning of, 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 of Jesus' ministry. And Martha and Mary, it happened at the end of the ministry. And, Mar- and Mark, Matthew, and John all record that. But Luke is the one who records this one. It's very unique in what's going on here. Also, this person is also contributed to, to Mary Magdalene. And the reason that we've contributed this unnamed person to Mary Magdalene, because in Luke 8, Mary Magdalene is mentioned also, but let me, take, let me say this. She's also mentioned with two other people. Mary Magdalene is when, when Jesus drove uh, the seven demons from her. The scriptures just don't support that. It's an unnamed person. And I think it's beautiful that it's an unnamed person. There's so many scriptures in the Bible. The poor widow. It's an unnamed person, and God used this unnamed person as an object lesson to his disciples on how to trust, to give all that they have. This unnamed person. She says she learned, she brought, listen to this, she wept, and she continuously kissed Jesus' feet. She anointed him. But I asked myself the reason, why did she do this? Why did she do this? And why did she come there? <laughs> we'll find out later in the text in verse 47 and 40, 42nd and 42. It was not to be forgiven. It was not to be forgiven, but it was a sign of evidence of her transformed heart of already been forgiven at a prior time. She entered the house under the scrutiny of blind spots of others who may have known her former life Regardless of that, she entered the house with gratitude and love of what had already happened within her heart for her love for Jesus. And please see in the scriptures that Jesus did not reject anything that she said. Jesus accepted everything that she did. She accepted her worship. And can you imagine a roamer in this house Everyone seated around there, this beautiful aroma, and then you have this person kissing and drying Jesus' feet and then anointing him. That's a very bizarre-looking picture there. But she is worshiping Jesus. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. In Luke 7, 39, Now, this is when a blind spot is being revealed within the heart of Simon. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, catch this, he said to himself. He didn't say it out loud. He said it to himself. If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person who is touching him, that she's a sinner. Listen to the attitude of the words within that scripture. If this man was a prophet, if this man was a prophet, he would know exactly who and what this person is. And he said, when she's a sinner, she is saying that she's an immoral person. So he did know her history. And there's three blind spots that are revealed within this scripture. The first blind spot was against Jesus. 
He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he said, the test that he would know who and what she is, and since he did not reject her, he cannot be a prophet. Automatically, a blind spot was erected within his heart, and he could not see past that. He saw Jesus, he invited Jesus, and this, this circumstance was happening, this beautiful act of worship, and boom, a blind spot came up. Blind spot number two was against the woman. The blind spot was preventing Simon from seeing this woman as a person. He saw her only as a sinner. For the past couple of weeks, since this message has been in my heart, I've been more aware of the blind spots, as I said earlier in my life. With each new encounter with someone, I've been recording my first thoughts, my first thoughts, my first impressions. And I can honestly tell you, one, they're directed toward myself, which is a sin right off the bat. And then there's some kind of little judgment that's going on within myself. And then, boom, Holy Spirit is just saying, no. And I have to go with 1 John 1, 9 and say, confess it and agree with God. God, I'm wrong here. God, I'm sorry here. And you know when that prevents you from listening to what the person says, it prevents you from stopping, listening, seeing, and responding when that happens. But this is the biggest blind spot at all, is blind spot number three, is that when Simon was comparing her sin with his self-righteousness, when Romans 3.23, it says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But what he's doing, he's looking at this immoral person, his words, and he's looking at himself and saying, how righteous did I am, blind spot. And how could he do that? And how, why is she here? Point number one, the word of God points out our blind spots. Are we willing to stop? And listen, let's go on with Luke 7, 40 and 43. And after Jesus, when Jesus answered him, now Jesus answered what? He hadn't said a word. No words had been spoken. And it said, and Jesus answered him. This is the second time in scripture that I see that other incident happened in Mark when, when uh, Jesus healed when, when they lowered down a paralytic man. And the first thing that Jesus said is, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sin but God alone? And here again, they were thinking this to themselves. Here again in this scripture, Jesus answers on what they were thinking. Jesus always goes to the attitude of the heart. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I love this. I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. Now catch the shortness of that. Say it, teacher. And then Jesus goes on where a parable, and a parable is parabolas, and it's set alongside. And what Jesus does, and he's so gifted, like no other person on this planet. It's setting alongside an everyday example. And then what Jesus does is cast alongside a spiritual truth. And then those two, an everyday example and a spiritual truth, they walk hand in hand with each other and they wrestle with that. 
But I do believe when it takes root is when they intertwine with each other and it's cemented in your heart. So Jesus uses a parable. He uses an everyday example and he casts alongside a, a spiritual truth to that. And he says, see, a money lender had two debtors. One owed five denarii and the other 50. And catch this in 42. When they were unable to pay, one is a tenth of the other. A denarii is a day's wage. So one owed 500 days of work, and the other owed 50 days of work, but neither one of them were able to pay. And I love this. He graciously, which means he freely forgave them both. So he asked Simon a question. So which of them, so which of them will love him more? 43, Simon answered and said, don't miss this. I suppose the one whom he forgave more. I love that. He's busted. What other word is there to say? He goes, I suppose. I suppose. I suppose the one he forgave more. And he said to him, Jesus said, you have judged correctly. Jesus revealed that blind spot in his life because that's exactly what he had been doing when he, had, he had invited Jesus into his home. What he was doing was judging. He was judging Jesus. He was judging the girl. And in turn, he was putting his righteousness above Jesus and putting his righteousness above the girl. And I love Jesus' response. He always speaks the truth in love. He said, you have judged correctly, he said. In this parable, Jesus points out two people's sin and that one was forgiven more than the other. It's a beautiful demonstration of the love of the woman and the lack of love of, of Simon, who was a sinner. And please do not miss this in the text, that the forgiveness came before the love in this parable. The forgiveness came before the love, before the love, before this person came into that room. She was already forgiven. It was her gratitude and her tears, not, not tears of please forgive me. Those tears were thank you for forgiving me. Forgiving, forgiving me. Stop and listen. And Mark 9 is so important. Jesus had just fed. Jesus had fed 5,000. This is the second time he was feeding 4,000. And um, Jesus, they were, they were in the boat, and, and Jesus heard them talking, and he said, why are you talking about Having no bread, he said. Do you still see or not understand? Are your hearts hardened? And this was erupted in, in Simon's heart here. In Mark 9, it's a phenomenal thing that had happened. Jesus had went on the Mount of Transfiguration. He took Peter, James, and John with him. And then Jesus began to glow. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than any world in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before him was Elijah and Moses, who was there talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. And catch this. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. You're my son. This is my son whom I love. And I love this. Listen to him. What Jesus was saying is stop. 
listen to my son. Now, the blind spot that Peter had was he wanted to continue the fellowship that was going on upon that mountain. But Jesus had to fulfill his mission, and he came because he came, did he loved us. The second point, the word of God points out our blind spots. Are we willing to see and respond? In verse 44, turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? He had not. But Jesus pointed her out to him. I have entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Verse 45, you gave me no kish, but, but, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, don't miss this, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Do you see this woman, Jesus speaking directly to Simon, and asked Simon to see and acknowledge this person, not as a sinner, but as a person made in the image of his image. Have been forgiven. The verb tense of this word is indicative passive, meaning it's an action that it happened, action that happened in the past, forgiven, that has present effects in the present. And passive means it's something that happened to her, meaning it's something that she could not do it. It has happened to her. So Jesus had, he said, don't miss this. Those who have forgiven a lot, loves a lot, basically what he's saying. And let me summarize with this. We all have blind spots because we're all as sinners. The word of God points out our blind spots and we must, however, stop and listen and see and respond. Nathan did this with David. David was caught in adultery. And Nathan came to him and he told him a story about a, a little U.M., a little lamb. And David stopped and he listened and he saw the hurt that he had done. And then he responded. The woman at the well had a blind spot as well. And the blind spot as, as well is when she came up to Jesus, she first saw Jesus as a Jew, his ethnicity. And she said, why are you talking to me? And Jesus broke down that barrier, that blind spot. And the more they kept talking about it, and Jesus told her about her blind spot, and that is she had been married five times, and the person that she's married with currently is not her husband. And then she saw Jesus as a prophet. And then he continued to talk with her. They continued to fellowship. And then she saw Jesus as the Messiah. She stopped, she listened, she saw, and she responded. Guys, we're living in very unique times, and it's so important to biblically, not just to react to someone, but to stop and listen to someone. God has given us so much forgiveness within our lives, and are we displaying that to the person that comes to us? I will ask you to pray for two things. And I'll ask you to 
when I would ask you to ask the Lord to reveal, and this is my prayer too, to reveal the lack of understanding blind spots that we have in our lives, and we all have them, and the lack of impartiality as well. And this prayer is directed up, stop, listen, see and respond. I'll share this one illustration with you and then I'll go ahead and close with this. I was downtown getting some tires and um, I went up the street to have some lunch and then I was sitting on the outside and there was this, and I, I was having a Zoom call and I just put it on mute and I, was, I just heard this guy yelling the Fred Flintstone sounds. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones, da 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 at the top of his lungs and I just, boom, hit my mute there. And it was kind of startling because he was doing it at the top of his lungs and as he left, I could still hear him. But then it was my time to come out of the restaurant and it's, <laughs> I love the Lord. I was walking down that street and then boom, that gentleman was right there. And he was sitting right there. And for me to get over there, I had to go through him. And I had a choice to make there. And I tell you, it was resonating in my heart to stop and listen and see and respond. And so I went up to him and I just stopped and I said, hi. I didn't know how he was going to react. This is trusting in God. This is downtown Albuquerque, but I've lived in downtown New York. But, uh, and I tell you, he, we had a great conversation. He looked at the way I was dressed and he started relating to me on that level. I never would have thought that from what I witnessed earlier, meet the Flintstones. And we just stood there. We had a great conversation. He was talking about when he had been able to dress for work. You know, he talked about his shirt. He talked about his dockers and pleated and stuff like that. And my heart just continued just to melt. Because my first thought was, this is a crazy guy, and he's talking crazy, and I got to walk right next to him. And at the same time, Lord's Holy Spirit said, boom, stop. Listen. See and respond. And I tell you, we said our goodbyes, and he said something very endearing to me. He said, happy Father's Day. This was on Thursday. And I tell you guys, honestly, that just melted my heart. Because we see people, not how God sees people. It is my constant prayer is that God give me your eyes to see because my eyes are corrupt. Scriptures tell out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, dissent, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. These are all blind spots. All these evils come from inside that make a man unclean. These are blind spots that I'm encouraging us to go to the throne room of God and just say, Lord, expose, expose my, my blind spots. And I would encourage you, as you go throughout these doors today, look at your first encounters with everyone. Just take note. 2 Corinthians tells us, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Test yourself. Let's examine ourselves. And when we go through these doors and each person that we meet, 
Are we stopping, listening, and seeing and responding in a way that the Lord wants us to? Does that follow? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your loving grace, Lord, and we thank you that your word is true and it's always true, Lord, and it, it exposes us and we are bare in front of it, Lord. But Lord, in your loving kindness, you allow us to come to you and you love us in such a very powerful way, Lord. I thank you for this message, Lord. I, I pray that it will bear fruit it has within my heart, within your church family, Lord. Let us stop it and listen and see and respond most importantly to you before we do the others. In your heavenly name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.